0: Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Season 6 of the 4Jack Podcast, powered by our friends over at Galvin Green. Galvin Green is the number one technical golf apparel brand preferred on every professional tour. They're famous for designing high-tech, Elevated golf apparel for every golfer, male or female, to feel invincible under all conditions. Head over to galvangreen.com and get your apparel game dialed in for the 2023-24 season. A massive thank you to our community that continues to support and share in our success throughout Season 6. You can expect more untold stories, more amazing guests, and a deeper dive into how golf truly impacts, connects, and is celebrated by many. This is a very unique episode tonight. We plan to dive deep into the mind of a man that has had an illustrious career as both player and coach with his most challenging chapter ahead but before we check in with tonight's special guest we're going to head down to warmer climates and check in with my co-host the AGM Mr. Derek Lane what's happening in SoCal
2: well today weather talk first day of fall beautiful day sunlight's a little light obviously as we go into daylight savings time here in California uh just a couple of things I want to start out with Chris obviously as we we film this and we record this tonight uh this weekend was a pretty emotional one for the four jack family uh, for those that were not watching, we don't really get deep into the golf PGA coverage, but there was something that was pretty special for us that that EVR shot 28 on the back, and, and when he gave his interview, he, he showed that he had JT's name and number on the ball, and kind of a sentimental story for Minnesotans, uh, which we have a lot of that listen to this show, and as you know, we've had Johnny Traz on a few different times, uh, both under good pretense where we thought we might be winning the battle, and as we went into the battle, kind of feeling and and starting to find out we might not. And obviously, as Eric announced to the world on Sunday, um, it's it's a little bit hard for me to talk about. You know, we all know that we've all had experiences, both you and I, with cancer and other things. But I'm kind of tired of young people, you know, having to deal with this stuff. And I thought that the spotlight that EVR did in the way that he did it and the way that he went about talking about it, and calling him his mate and his friend and things that mattered in this world that had nothing to do with social media, that had nothing to do with being recorded or clipped to be a Samaritan or anything else. That was just one dude wishing his other dude was better. Right. And as somebody who's known JT for as long as I have and have played golf with JT and have supported his career and done whatever he'd asked if he needed something looked at in the golf swing or Just wanted some advice on how to travel or caddies or anything, right? I'm lucky enough that we're both from a town that you could hit two wedges to get out of, uh, but we both call it home. And that part of the world means something to me. I wouldn't be sitting here without it. And I'm not trying to be a downer or anything else, but we're going to have a great pod because Chris is one of my favorite people in golf and we look at things a lot the same way. Uh, But I do want to give Eric and the Trasmer family and everybody else an entire hug and a shout out for the one reason that this shit is hard. Okay. It's real life. It means something to a lot of people and you don't, you don't fill holes, right? You just try to make sure you don't go down with them and that you support them and you love them and you do everything you can to keep things alive and things um, on the front for what they fought for. And so I really give, EVR and his caddy also a teammate in and, and, and the Minnesota family but it was a scope and a, and, and a stage of which I thought he handled it perfectly you know he talked about it Saturday he came back out of nowhere had no pressure and just decided to kind of give it a run and he did you know and I think the honor in that knowing JT like I do not happy doesn't like a lot of that text and that publicity but I do think that the world is a better place for people like those guys. And I really wanted to make sure that we touch that before we get in to a really informative episode tonight, kind of talking about how we're going to coach up better junior players, some world-class players, what we're going to be doing with their systems, and and obviously Chris and some of the things he believes in from Decade and other things. So I know we're going to kind of get into those weeds, but I felt it appropriate, and and I want to make sure that everybody understands how much love we have for JT and for everybody in in that fight.
1: Yeah, obviously, love, prayers, thoughts, always for the Trasmer family. But uh, there is a link in our podcast bios that uh, hooks up to a GoFundMe page for the family. So if you feel so inclined to help support the, the fight against cancer, then by all means. On a more positive note, without further ado, the 4 podcast is extremely excited to host former standout collegiate player and award-winning coach, 14 years with USC as a men's head coach, Currently transitioning from his role as associate head coach of Pepperdine into a new pair of shoes, the head coach of the newly created U.S. National Development Program. Please welcome to the show the Swiss Army Knife of Golf, Mr. Chris Zambri. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. You must be one of the busiest guys on the planet right now. So much going on in that brain. How are you coping with everything, man? Um...
0: I'm doing fine. I um,
1: <laughs> that was easy.
0: <laughs> I was probably less busy, I was probably more busy last Monday, Tuesday when I had two and a half jobs. Um, one with um, Decade as a college rep, and then one as the associate head coach, which we all know is also known as the assistant coach at Pepperdine. <laughs> and then I was um, sitting in on a fair amount of. Uh, USGA meetings trying to kind of get ramped up and so I feel like I I actually um, am semi less busy now with only one major thing to think about and so um, my last week I started pretty much Wednesday morning at the crack of dawn and um, I've just been getting on a bunch of uh, Zoom like calls and it's been great just trying to get to learn uh, more about the USGA, more about this role, more about our program. I feel like I'm fairly ramped up, but there's, you know, we're none of us are 100% ramped up because the program's brand new. You know, we're still trying to figure it out. But, but it's something we, we feel strongly um, – we're, we're excited is a better way to say it. we're super excited about the opportunity. You know, it, it seems kind of strange that if we've got however many sports we have in this country that have a, 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 a national federation behind them that golf doesn't. Um, it, it's it's kind of cool that uh, this is something the USGA decided to
1: do. So why now? Why not ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago? That, what was the? That's need, a great. What question. was the need right now that that drove I, this? I
0: don't think. I think the need was. I think the need's been around for a long time. I just think it took someone to decide that hey, let's do it. Like let's, um, you know, because it's it's. I, I would. I don't I'm not an accountant, but I I just don't I don't think it's going to be cheap to to take this on. But the USGA decided that they wanted to do it and they wanted to. um, You know, it's. I don't know what all their reasons were, but I know that the reason that I'm I understand is that we're trying to make young golfers better, um, young American golfers better and, and get them more ready to take on professional golf at the highest level. And, and, and I know that a lot of people would go, well, what the heck, you know, we're doing all right. And, um, and we are, but, but maybe we could do better. Maybe we could do better, in both uh, the men's and women's side. And, and, um, and so the USGA said, let's, let's get involved. And, um, and I was just super fortunate that, that, um, they chose me to be involved um you know at the ground floor i'm this is like the opportunity of a lifetime for for me and my family and um and now i just gotta hit it out of the park
1: are you sure you want to go all the way to the east coast being a west coast guy i mean man that's gonna be a, i don't a i don't think i have
0: a choice so, <laughs> so whatever they say goes well, and um uh, they're 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 the uh the headquarters will be in Pinehurst. So so um, we we hope to all, you know, the, the group that's involved in this program, and there's about probably seven of us now, um, we'll all be working out of there um, by the end of the summer, next summer.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I, I know we talk a lot and obviously a big, another shout out to Benny Bridgers, who is one of our favorite people, very similar to you, Chris. You guys go about things very, very similar. And the way you do things, right, it's it's what I'm going to call kind of that no BS stuff, substances everywhere, and facts and data mean everything. And I think both you guys are going to enjoy each other's company, although obviously one for Piner's, one for USGA. But as someone who is just recently was at Piner's, the facility and what you have and some of the uh, amenities and some of the things you're going to be able to do. So off off camera, Parks and I were talking a little bit. He was asking me some questions about you, and I'm like, I can't even think about what's going in your head, because when we, when we first met six, seven years ago, and obviously we used Justin and the three of us talked a lot, we built some programs and we did some pretty cool things at Rolling Hills and it started with the three of us, but I was really not that aware of the amount of data that you guys were collecting and how you guys are going about you know, making people better. And, and always in my first thought process is Jay saw on how that was used. And I got to watch that kind of come out. I watched him play differently than other people and attack it from a different side. I have to think that for you, like you said, this being a job of a lifetime, like you get to mold and shape and basically discover and kind of make these guys understand the level of detail that goes into this and you using training, as you mentioned before, a decade like this has to be an amazing, unbelievable feeling for you, knowing what's going to be put into this and what you're going to get out of this with the systems and the beliefs you have of making people better.
0: Um. That's the goal, you know. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I got the job um, a couple months ago, and um, and I and I've I've spent a lot of time between then and now, just really trying to figure out what the heck I'm all about and and um, and what I'm going to bring to this, and and, and starting to actually have a little bit of. Um, uh anxiety is not the word but starting to just really wonder well geez like and and then I've had some moments recently where I went and saw and sat with a a coach at Pepperdine who um is a his name is Marv Dumphy, and Marv is uh probably one of the greatest volleyball coaches in the history of our country and um he's won four men's national titles at Pepperdine he's part of nine olympic teams and and i sat I, I had approached him when i first got the job and said marv i want to sit down and talk about you know how to do this like how to navigate the waters that are are you know uh, the usj is is fairly well known like we're going to have scrutiny you know and so i'm trying to figure out like how can i you know, walk the line between um, what 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 everyone believes to be so, and what I believe to be so, and and try to stay out of you know deep water on things that might be a smidge up in the air. And and um, and at one point we were talking, we talked for a while, and he he and he he talked about a few different things, but finally he he pointed to this piece of, he like, pointed to this wall, and I looked over at the wall, I didn't know what I was looking at, but there was a, a little, just a piece of normal white 11 by whatever, seven or eight piece of paper, the kind you get out of a copy machine, but it was filled with a bunch of numbers, and 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 I knew that Marv was kind of a numbers data guy, like he, he explained to me a year ago or so that like they used to measure every touch in practice, like there was somebody in the stands who was was keeping track of everything that was happening in practice and grading it, and so that's kind of the way that we did things at USC for years. and And he walked over to this page and he just pointed out, you know, there was like forty different stats on one side of the page that that are volleyball related. There was where does Pepperdine stand against, um, where does Pepperdine stand in those, and then where do they stand against? a national championship type team and it really kind of focused me on the fact that you know I this is stuff I've been doing and and somewhat preparing for for a long time and um in that some of the things or a lot of the things that that I've done and did at USC that Justin Silverstein still does at USC and that I was also doing at Pepperdine, like those things work, and and we've had success with those, and and um, success with pe- helping people get better at golf. You know, forget about winning this or winning that, or it it it's really like could you take people and help them improve? And and so, um, it it, it was a great meeting for me, and it was like last Friday with Marv because, like I said, I'm trying to to lay out a plan and and wondering how can I not offend anyone now can i how can everybody be in agreement with what i'm doing and finally after seeing you know like i'm i'm confident with what we did there and how we do things and i'm confident that it will do what our goal is which we're we're here to make people better you know to help them get better and 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 we know and and i know and i have enough respect for how darn difficult golf can be at times that 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 is not easy to do. It, it is not easy, and it's, it's a um, – you have to be careful. And, and you know, and that, that's my plan, and that's our plan. Like, we're going to be careful, and, and we're going to pick our, 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 our manner and our way to, to make an impact on somebody's game, and it might be in a tiny way or it might be in a large way. It's, don't, it's definitely going to be in conjunction with their instructor, with their – whatever team they have behind them. Um, but there's no matter who somebody else is seeing, or as far as getting help, there's always little things, you know, just, just, uh, you know, for instance, Hey, we we brought it, brought in this, this young girl, we taught her how to play a practice round a little bit better. You know, it could be something as simple as that. And so anyways, I'm excited. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to go, but, but there's not much going on right now We're we're, we're. we're starting to kind of receive resumes. Um, we're going to start a grant program where families that um, have a, a young, talented golfer but maybe don't have um, the means by which they can can pay for and do the kind of things that, that young champions need to do. Um, we're going to have that program starting. And so it's pretty exciting right now.
1: I got to say, I don't think, Canadian professional golfers were on the map until golf Canada started doing a player development program. And I have a good friend, Robert Ratcliffe that teaches on the men's side. And it's such a great platform. It's not necessarily for everybody and it it could be a bit of a feeder sort of program. But I guess the question for you is like, is there really a ceiling on this? I mean, you, this family and this sort of resource base could be, as big and beautiful as you really want it to be, right? Yeah.
0: Um, it. It. You know, we'll have to see. You know, I. I can't. You know, it, one of the things I do wonder about is how exactly we will be measuring. Um, how we do, you know, right, success. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, we are a fairly large country. We've turned out a fair amount of really good golfers. Um. So how do we measure? I'm not sure yet. And that's something that, you know, this is like my fifth day on the job. And, <laughs> and at some point, I'm sure we're going to sit down and, and try to figure out what our benchmarks are. Um, but that's the goal. Like the goal is to, to make sure that anyone and everyone who's really good at golf gets exposed to things that might be able to help them become better, you know, and, 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 the, you know, I, I've thought of this, and, and I might be wrong. I, I would think the recruiting process will not be that difficult. Like, we have no competition. You know, like, if you're an American and you want to be on a national team, you know, like, I as, as bad as I recruit, I could still probably land an American for the only American team on earth. And so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I, I think that that's, that's the good. part of this that, that I think a lot of people are going to understand after this podcast is, is there's another component to that and that's the infectious nature of how you teach, right? And one of the things that I was so excited when we finally got you to come on was that there's a method to everything you do. And and when methodical, sometimes that can be tedious, sometimes that can be somewhat boring, but that's not you, right? Your interest level in others and making people better is why you get up every morning. And I think that you know we had... Bob Kane on last year, and obviously, USGA veteran, and he still makes Parksy cringe a little bit because <laughs> he got after us. You but ruined you know, me. The USGA doesn't make many bad choices, right? You take out competition and the way they're going to set up their granddaddy or the way they do things. But if you watch the amateurs and you watch the mid-ams and you watch the four-balls, they don't make a lot of bad choices. They're pretty, pretty good at what they do, and they're not going to invest their time in someone who's not going to invest their time. I do believe that. And I think they've done this very smartly by using Pinehurst and the facilities and obviously 10 and 11 are going in. There's always going to be a spot. You're always going to have a place to do what you do best, which is to test numbers and to, to use the data that you collect. But you're also going to be able to use that In unbelievable ways that people probably never had the experience before right like if you go to 36 holes, or if you do other things it's not going to be the same you're going to have. So many opportunities through travel and course access and you know, even now I saw is going to take the Palmer Cup, and I think these golf courses are getting better and better at opening their doors to amateur golf and allowing you and what you guys are going to do to kind of really take that to the next level. So I see a lot of joint venture in this. And I think that this is not accidental that the reason you're the one doing this, because I know you so well, I know you're going to put the time in, but I always go back to the same thing. Kids or younger people like to hit golf balls. That's a proven fact. I would like to see them hit more golf balls with you and less with their parents but i have no control over that that being said i think that this is one of the people where they're going to drop their kids off and feel really comfortable with you knowing that that figurehead is going to put the time in with them and as you said there's minuscule ways and then there's there's really big ways that to me seems like the no-brainer in all of this do you feel the same do you feel like what you do is literally compatible with what they're looking for and i know like you said there's multiple people in this but you know, you steer the ship and you steer it well when you have that chance. So I think that that's the part I'm the most excited about, is that whole separation
0: of, of everything else and just focusing on betterment. Yep. Um, and so, you know, to just give a little background on, on like how, what we did at USC, what I did at Pepperdine, what Justin does at USC, we, we, we just, we've devised or developed some simple tests to measure skills in golf. and um, and and they're usually twenty shot tests or less. and um, and what we, you know, I always say this, we anybody could come up with a test. Like we could come up with five tests in the next five minutes. The only thing that we had going for us is that we had a lot of data. and so so we developed tests. We kept every ounce of data. And so then we were, after a while, the data started to pile up and we started to be able to connect skills in certain areas with success on the golf course. And so, so you know, the way I look at my role with the USGA is, is, is we're going to bring kids into the program. Um, we're going to have these remote training sessions, um, not necessarily bringing people to Pinehurst, but us going to. You know maybe pick a a club in the pacific northwest where we're going to have a training session and bring 20 players in but my goal and, and what what i learned from doing this testing is that like it doesn't matter at all what i think of anything they do like the important thing is how does what they do perform and 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 if it performs then it doesn't matter what I think or anybody thinks or what they think or what their parents think or, or what anybody in their camp thinks. If it performs, then we need to check it as keep it, you know, don't do anything about it. If it doesn't perform, I need to present a case to that young player or, or his camp. Hey, here's where they are in this test. Here's where the other 19 kids were in this test who were just at this training camp, um, regardless of what any of us think his or her swing looks like, here's how it's stacking up. And and here's all the data we've put together so far in the other 10 training camps. And, and this is where the score is stacking up. And so can we all agree that maybe there's room for growth here? And so those are much easier discussions then I don't like the way your swing looks or I don't necessarily agree with that theory and so now we could just say hey here's how it performs first of all number one I support anything you're doing but but let's just say we support it if it works you know if it doesn't work then we gotta we gotta search and and the search is not easy like it is not easy to take someone who is not controlling their ball and turning them into somebody who does control their ball but if there's something important that I could pass along to somebody is I'm telling you right now, you're not controlling it as well as you need to. If you're not searching, you should be, you know, you should be, the search needs to start, you know, you need to start, you know, uh, experimenting, whatever you can do to get this score on this specific test down, you know, Um, the golf course can be so filled with, noise. There's so many things that can go into a, a good score, especially for someone who's played for a long time. And and it's hard to know exactly what went right at the end of a round, although everybody feels when they walk off a course, they, they've got a really good handle on it. Um, but they don't necessarily and they don't understand what their weaknesses are or what their strengths are. And so um, rather than because what's going to happen is, is if they're good enough to come to the camp, they already know how to get it around. Right. But, but they might not understand that they get it around in spite of certain things, not because of certain things. And so those are the things that we hope to point out. We're not trying to change anybody, but we are trying to, you know, ourselves, but we are trying to shine a light on things. And the way I foresee this happening is shine the light on things that need to get better. You know,
1: Simple enough, right,
0: Derek,
2: maybe? Well, I mean, again, it's one of the reasons I love the Walker Cup, right? You couldn't find bigger differentials in golf swings and the way people play, and yet old guys that Chris know very well continue to be winners, and they go on to win mid-AMs, and they do other things, right? Like controlling a golf ball. Perfect example, as you guys all know, USC plays at Rolling Hills. I watched three All-Americans wedge, wedge test with Tiff Joe uh, uh, last Thursday, and – they're all trying to beat historical scores that have been kept over time, right? They all want to be on the wall and it goes from understanding that it's not just a practice drill, but what they don't realize is how good they're getting over time because good coaches make it fun and good coaches, as Chris was talking about, they understand it's not about change. It's about results and results win. So you can take that women's team and say, they've already got two wins this year. Correct. And it's like, that's a, that's a contributing factor when they all do this together, it's not like they're testing separate and you're holding, and you're holding scores or, I mean, they're doing things simultaneously between putting, you know, and, and putts, putts gain, putts lost, obviously is one that I know that drives Chris and Justin up a wall, especially when it goes the wrong way, because variables are, especially at a place like rolling Hills, where you have unbelievable surfaces to work on, you can really put the time in. And I can't even fathom how much you're going to have at your, controls and, and the behest of what you're looking for when you get your system set up like the things they're going to do for you and and the agronomy and all the things that you're going to have a say in overall as that coach that's what I'm the thing the most excited about I think I've watched you do this at the collegiate level at the highest of levels and I think it's going to be fun to watch it become developmental where it's not necessarily about a school or a color it's about a country and I, I think that that's going yeah. to be an unbelievable
0: thing to watch I, I can't wait Oh, thanks, Derek. I, I, am excited. I'm excited to get going. I I don't see myself really being able to get like in front of young golfers um, for a while. I I get to, one thing I get to do, that's pretty cool is um, over Thanksgiving time, I'm going to go to um, the Swedish national um, practice session for their national team. And that's something that's been really cool is that, um, I don't want to say for whatever reason, but so many of these federations, every one of them that we've approached for, for with questions or advice, have been really open to helping us, and um, and and so, consequently, like I'm going to go spend four days watching the Swedish, you know, they call it their turkey session. Um, they get all their. Uh, U.S. players in one spot, which will be in Florida, and I'm going to go and and spend four days just shadowing them and just see how they run one of those things. And um, those are the things that I look forward to. I mean, two two things I look forward to a lot, which are getting in front of these kids and and starting to train and and to see, collect data, see where they are, and then obviously, you know, eventually compete. And that will be fun too, because there's a lot to learn those weeks in, in preparation and And um, in in many areas that that can be passed along, you know, I'm looking at what what interests me is to pass along things to kids that are like lifelong um, things that they can they can keep with them. Not not a little tip on how to maybe hit a chip, but I'm talking about here's how you play a practice around, you know, in the case of decade here. Here's how decade works. How many of you have heard of it? You know
1: this next segment of the show is brought to you by our new friends over at Swannies. Swannies is here with a fresh take performance-based materials are a given these days but if you're looking for the stretchiest most lightweight pieces that can deliver a look that says i'm here for a good time take a walk on the swanys side with fabric source from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own weekend warriors Swanies is looking out for both the planet and those that need a little style boost Premium looks from top to bottom at Swannies.co. And if you use 4Jack25, you can receive an extra 25% off your purchase at checkout. Enjoy at Swannies.com.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, t- when I say, when I say, oh gosh, I can't wait to take them to a competition. It, it Yeah, cert- part of it is to compete and, and all the fun that comes with competing. But, but it's such a great opportunity to, to talk about things that they might not know. You know, they might not do a really good job of looking around during a practice round and, and really trying to identify what's going on around every possible pin placement so that they don't do the dreaded, um, hit, a, hit a shot, miss a green, and then say to yourself, I hope that's okay up there. Like, we need to have those questions answered in the practice round. And so anyways, those are the things that I look forward to most is is training sessions and, and competitions for sure
1: does the philosophy and the cliche saying an aggressive swing on a conservative line really hold water or is that just kind of one of those old? no that's sales? a good one
0: that, that's a good one i mean um <clears throat> i'm sure somebody said it before tiger woods but he really made it popular um which is you know one of the things that we we try to teach people as if, okay, so the flag isn't always the target. Okay. And, and when you pick a new target, um, your interest in hitting it at the new target has to be just as high as if it were the flag. Um, what most people do is they pick a new target and then they fudge whatever they're doing to get it over to the hole. And, and like no one in the history of practicing has ever done that once once on a range but they'll do it four times in a round of golf and so um that's a you know going back to what you said that's 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 a way to tr- hopefully i always use this one i say i say um okay so we're, we're, we're going to learn to pick new targets and then we're going to commit to those targets and and i say here's how i want you to look at that i say imagine your local driving range and they're they're going to cut a hole out there at about 135 right in the middle of the range and they're going to stick a flag in it and tomorrow you get to hit one shot for a million bucks and if you make it if you make it you get a million bucks um i I say how badly would you want to make that shot and everybody knows the answer is really badly really badly and i said that's how much you want to hit your new target that's how much like if you if you're if you have any doubt as to what picking a new target means it means that you want to knock it right where that target is as much as you want to make that hole in one and and what you know decade talks about and 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 the whole concept of dispersion is just because you pick a target that's off the flag doesn't mean it won't go in the hole it could it could but you can't try to make it happen because you'll end up making swings you've never practiced in your life you
1: know is it super rewarding when you get that buy-in and people start to understand like hey there's a different way that to play the golf course there's a more tactical approach that provides better results and i can score better even though i know i can be aggressive all day but if i do yeah. these things it's gonna you know have a better end result
0: it's it's awesome i i you know you really have to make a good argument for it though like you have to take the time to really walk people through because some of the things that will pop up are first, you know, questions like, well, how am I going to make birdies? And, and, um, you know, people will hit it right where they want it to, which happens to be maybe 15 feet up from the hole. And then they'll say, well, you know, why the heck didn't I aim at the hole? You know, I, if I would have aimed at the hole, I'd have a tap in right now. And so, I mean, the, the way, if, if you really want to help somebody and, and get them to really understand it, you have to convince them that their dispersion is actually the size that decade prescribes, right? Like you have to take them to a range, find a target from maybe one sixty, have them hit 50 balls at it and walk out on the range and just show them like, you know, we're not kidding here. Your dispersion is actually this large and we can either plan for it or we can roll the dice. You know, what do you want to do? And um, it, it's actually, it's not easy. It, I mean, it's not. I, I can speak from my own personal <laughs> um, experiences as as a as a reformed pin hunter. It is not easy to not aim at the flag. I mean, it is hard, and um, and for some of us, it's really, really, really hard. And and I get that. Um, but once you, if you can if you hang in there when somebody explains the reasoning behind it and you can really, I mean, if you start comparing it to poker or, or things that a lot of young people don't do in these days, like, like maybe we did when we were young playing blackjack and poker and you start, you know, like there's a way to play blackjack and everybody, you know, not everybody knows it, but most of us know it, who are 50 years old or so that you know when to stay, you know, when to hit, you know, when to double, you know, when to split. And you just follow it. You don't, sit around and, and, and try and um, let your your feelings or your your psychic beliefs take over. You just say, listen, the, the book says I'm supposed to do this, I'm gonna do this, because that's what the data shows. And it's the same with playing smarter. You know, you, there's a reason why, you know, I heard a, a thing recently, Jack Nicholas talking about, um, you know, anything over a two like 200 and something play to the middle of the green. Like there's a reason why he was the best. And and that's how tiger played. And, and it's catching on, you know, people are doing it.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think the emotional side of this two Parksy, is you have a really good way with believing this. And, and obviously I'm very close to Justin still to the day. And, and we talk a lot about this is what I've really controlled. And what I've understood is, is that your guys at college are dealing with 18 to 23 year old people where emotions are all over the map right you you you're, you're learning a class load and you're understanding time management and then you throw in now the physical aspect of what what being a college athlete is and then the proper foods and all of the other things coming on and and i know full well that when this comes down to it i've noticed that through this the
1: emotions don't get to be week to week
3: and
2: speak of which i never liked
1: that justin silverstein guy anyway yeah. I know. He's, he's, we uh, got to stop talking. Crap it's, it's, about it. it's
2: okay. His mic's off, so he can't hear it.
1: Yeah, he's not going to say anything bad. Hi,
2: Justin. Welcome, What's up, Justin. Welcome. We're glad you could join us. What's up, fellas? How are we, we doing?
1: We're doing awesome. We're well. We're going we're, deep in a rabbit hole here with Chris.
2: Uh, we were just talking a little bit about you and I talking last week about, after the wedge testing, about how some of the emotional side of what you guys are doing with data keeping and how you guys have 18 to 23 year old kids and your guys are talking about this, how it really does go from term to term. They forget when they don't perform well and still have the ability to go out and win again, right? Because they believe in the system. And the thing that I've noticed the most, and one of the reasons we wanted Justin to come on tonight, because obviously Justin and CZ are very close, but I wanted both of them at one time to kind of talk about this whole in this inception of data versus kids, And I still call them kids because they they can't go to the bar, most of them. They're still trying to figure out life. But you guys, the one thing I've noticed is, is that every week or every event's a different event because they buy into what you guys teach, right? And I think that's why the USGA is so lucky to have you, Chris. But can you two kind of talk together about what the data does From the quarter system going forward, as they've spent three to four years in your programs, if they stay the full time, how does that continue to translate into wins after wins when you continue to have junior All Americans and Rolex players and all these people coming in and they have to kind of relearn how to play golf, not because they're not talented, because they've got to beat people that are already in it?
3: Go ahead, buddy. No, you go ahead. (laughs) So it's a unique thing um, that I obviously learned from Chris, but um when we integrate kids into our programs we're we're recruiting at a super high level uh both men's and women's players that that both of us have coached um so the first part of it is, you know spent kind of evaluating their games and i think when people hear that they think we're trying to find holes in their games and and what we've learned and tiffany joe our associate head coach being on for a year and a half now has learned is we're actually trying to figure out at first what they're great at so we don't change it um and that's something chris has always said in our our visits when we were sitting in um our office with with players and their families when they were, you know, trying to convince them to come to USC was, hey, we'll figure out what you're great at. And we promise not to change it. And I don't think there was a lot of programs around the country that could say that because they didn't have the data to prove that they were great at it. They were relying on their eyes or their, you know, previous biases to understand that. So I think that initial analysis and being patient with it um, is something we both had to learn because it's hard to do. Um, you know, when you get a great player like an Amari Avery, a Catherine Park, or Rico Hoey, like the first thing you want to do is jump in and make an impact. Well, you might mess something up that works really, really well. So what we've had to learn to do over time is be super, super patient with that. Um, and I think another cool component that I think Chris can really hit on here is, um, you know, inevitably we we play poorly at events as a team. Um, and I think the coolest part of our system is when we come back to campus on a Tuesday night, take Wednesday off Thursday, we just get back to it. Uh, we don't make a bunch of, of wholesale changes. We just get back into the testing, retest, see if something changed. And if nothing changed and the testing was still great, you know, consider it bad luck, maybe bad prep on site, maybe bad course management, keep it moving. Uh, but we're not overreacting to things that go on because we can always fall back on this testing and this data. Um, something we started saying recently that I think is really good is we like to react. We don't like to overreact. Um, and I think that's a hard thing to do in golf. Excuse making, storytelling is really easy, and so is overreacting. Yep, <laughs>
1: validated. It's funny because you yeah. you guys have both kind of touched on the same thing. I mean, Justin's sort of reiterating what Chris was was talking about before. But maybe let's let's get into a little bit of the the deeper philosophy on. You're saying not not to overreact, you're reacting and not to change anything. But like, when is too much too much testing? When is taking the fun out of playing, taking the fun out of it. Are you ever at a capacity where you're like, Oh man, I think we're just over coaching here. We need to step back and let the players have some time
0: to figure it out. Well, I mean, I, that is something that, that from, from the moment I started doing this, we started dealing with, and, um, those questions and, and they're, they're pretty valid questions because the stuff that we were doing was really new. Um, and, Um, you know, I used to try to explain to the players, like, listen, if if we break it down, you're going to play three days a week. We're going to practice two days a week. And so I'm going to have you. And even on those days we practice, it's only three hours because one of the hours is going to be training. And so, so basically I'm going to have you for six hours out of, I don't know how many daylight hours there are, but, but like that gives you plenty of time to do all the things that you feel you need to do to be great on a, whether you know I generally gave weekends off so you can get up on Saturday and you could go from 8 to 8 if you want and and work on whatever you want to work on and do whatever you want to do and and you know by virtue of being a member of this team and and receiving scholarship or 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 being just part of the team like this is the way we do things and and it wasn't easy at first you know I had a lot of pushback and and um you know a really pivotal moment for me as a coach is when mark brody's book came out because when mark brody's book came out it became really clear that that iron play was massively important and that the things that we spent a lot of time on we were we were and and i'm not saying it was by design you know that i knew that that i i knew these facts i always thought these things were important but i you know i've always been obsessed with you know knowing your yardage fitting your yardages getting in the ball online and um and we did a lot of that and then the book came out and it said lo and behold tiger woods greatest advantage the the all-time greatest player ever was his iron play and, and not only that most of the time if somebody is really really great on tour they 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 separate themselves into the greens you know with approach and, and driving um, and so luckily for me that that book came out in in the fall or the spring of 14 I believe and and um and um it had such a great impact on our program that that year at the national championship we finished dead last by like 30 shots from the 29th place team but (laughs) but I will say that heading into the next season though I, I sat a few of the the returners down I said we've got a couple of Um, young studs coming in I really need your support with what we do you know Um, and luckily um, instead of it being a pain to do the testing it became kind of cool to do the testing and 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 all the things that come from it that Derek spoke about earlier which is you know all-time records personal records competing on a daily basis like you know, those things are fun to the guys and to the girls. Like that's, it's really fun. You know, what's not fun is doing a test and, and not being really good at it and, and having to deal with that. That's not fun. And I get that, but, but it's nice to know where you stand. I mean, in the end, it's really great to know if I, you know, I do this well and this well, but not this well. And if I can get this figured out, you know, the coach has made a good enough argument and a case for if I figure this out, I'm in business, you know? And, and so that's how we use data. And luckily, like I said, it, I had a class coming in 14, they were sold on it. And, and we were kind of smooth sailing after that with campus practice and the testing. And, and like I said, it, it's two days a week. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something we did five days a week. It wasn't a glue factory. I got to ask, was, it, was there a Jamie <laughs> Lovemark
1: in that conversation at some point?
0: um well well jamie came along my first year was his first year and so um and i was the luckiest coach on earth because i didn't recruit him i i had no experience as a coach i got hired um we'll edit all that out don't worry yeah (laughs) it was just a stroke talk about a stroke of luck i was hired I, i was a former sc golfer but other than that i was just a failed uh mini tour pro practically and and but i was a grinder and and luckily i got this job and lo and behold the best player in the country is walking in as a freshman and um and you know he drugged me along for a couple years before i could figure out what i was doing um but but the testing kind of started a little after jamie was there and I, i always wish i had more data on jamie especially his freshman year when he was crushing people um it would have been really cool to know just how well he hit it uh, because there were things that were observable but it would have been cool to have a little bit of proof
1: and he might have a pga tour win under his belt at this point if there's some data to feed that but the only reason i say that (laughs) he's come
0: close yeah he's He's come close
1: and you know what and
0: you know what he's still only 32 he's young and he's a
1: specimen like he is a machine and i used to watch that guy hit balls at silver rock well, Jim Wilkinson would smoke cigarette after cigarette. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But man, that that guy can move the ball, and it's yeah. Waiting, waiting for him to to see a victory is is
0: pretty. Yeah, me too. He's he's one. He he was one of my favorites, if not my favorite. He was just, and it wasn't just because he played such great golf. He was just so easy to coach. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He was just awesome. Not like a Justin, right? Justin, were you a whiner and a complainer?
3: <laughs> no. I, I never up had to, Jamie. So I think I taught him how not to whine and complain. Ah, yeah, yes. so you,
2: might you couldn't have two different North County San Diego people in the history of the world compared than Justin Silverstein. <laughs> you
1: yeah.
2: uh, could not get further from opposite I have experience in both. And Lovey should be playing you know, free safety for the Broncos if, if you really think about it. Because he could have, right? And, and yes, That's right. like exactly. There's nothing he couldn't do. And it's hilarious because he had a very unique set of parenting issues and he had a lot of things that he overcame and everything came easy to him. And as it gets older, you it is funny how that reverse goes. And Justin, you and I were talking a little bit about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, about how all of this goes and how people are for different regions. But one of the things I wanted to transition to was just kind of because we were talking about one of your players went down and got fit. Where does club fitting nowadays come into what you guys are doing? Do you see that fits and wedging and other things through real, cause you guys get the highest level of fitters and the highest level of access to, you have tour access to anything. Are you noticing that your guys' numbers, Chris, you same you with Pepperdine, are you guys noticing as you go into this, are they changing the numbers? Can you fit your way into better data?
1: Can I add to this too? This is a great question, Derek. Is there also a one size fits all or all we, are we constantly manipulating things? To fit different golf courses and styles. sorry but that's a great question there i had to add on
3: yeah i think a huge change especially on the women's side that i've seen um and a part of it's just more support from the club companies um and high end or high level women's college golf is um changing bounce changing wedges more consistently than i've ever seen um back when i first got with sc in 12 13 14 i mean our girls had like one wedge for the entire season maybe two um, and never tried different bounces. Um, you know, our our fastest, highest ranked player or highest uh, rising player right now, Catherine Park, is just in transitioning to some titles clubs. She just had wedges come in and they sent her three different 58s, um, different yes. bounces to travel with. Like that's just becoming the norm. And, and when I was down there getting watching her get fit with Nick Geyer at Titleless, he was explaining to her, like, this is what you need to do. This is what players at the next level do, which is true this never happened in college and CZ when I, I was thinking most recently was Su, um, when he was, you know, pretty high end with ping, when we were both coaching, I'm like, I don't even think he was going through that. With <clears them. throat> um, This is a new thing that, that these club companies are trying to press on these kids earlier, which is great, you know, for our product, because I, I think it's great for their knowledge. I think you can overdo it for sure. Um, so to answer your question, no, there's definitely not a one size fits all. Um, and I think it's ever changing. I think you can get a little lost in the cycle of trying to find the perfect match. I think good enough is probably what most good players are looking for. Um, but you know, in, in Chris's new world and, and where he's going, I think this is going to be a monster part working with the club companies and you're going to have a variety of different players. So, um, I, you know, I think the technology is getting better and making it easier. Like we have three track men now, like that was unheard of a few years ago to have that many track men in one program.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I was going, Chris. It's it's unique that this sort of window is opening for everybody and they get to look out of it, but you're going to be at the forefront of sort of, you know, the brick and mortar of this and, and, and really writing the history of the legacy of, of how this thing kind of frames up. So are you that much of a techie guy? I know you're a data guy, but like, are you really into the the flexes and the bounces? and? Um,
0: No, no. And, and that's, to me, it's a... It, I'm a, I'm a track man guy, um, but I'm not a fitter guy, you know? And, and, and I, I'm not proud of that. Like, I wish I knew a lot more. Like I, I used to ping I2 L wedge, like my whole life. And then I switched to a wedge when I started coaching. I used that for like 10 years. And, and like, I, I am very, green when it comes to bounce and, and the effects of bounce and and like i just i have i have things to learn too and i know that that's that's definitely one of them you know and it seems like these days my gosh it's like every other thing you see on in, in golf is about chipping right now like chipping's hot and so and so i you know i better ramp up quickly on on the whole bounce thing you know i, I think a lot of us grew up in a way where we we were given a club and we figured out how to make it work exactly um, for every
1: occasion basically right that's right. what it was and we used
0: to get we used to be given drivers and it was like here's your driver son for three years so i hope it fits and um and and that's how that worked when i was in <laughs> high school um and but but even the wedges like it's, it, to me uh, this is coming on fairly quickly and 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 I think it's great that these young people are going to start learning more about this because it's a, there's times when it's definitely a really solid answer as to why something didn't work out. You know, it could be simply that you don't have enough bounce or you have too much bounce. But those are just things I'm going to have to get get better at learning. Well, and just it, so it, I can... it's going to
2: change too, Chris, because the perfection is the golf ball, right? So changing the equipment around the ball is not hard anymore because the ball performs as you wish it to do now with low spinning golf balls. And the the just, I mean, just look now with Callaway bringing out putters that have artificial intelligence and and dropping, and we're doing all these things. And the one thing you get lucky with Chris is NILs aren't going to change what people play, you know, Justin and those guys going forward in this world are going to have another huge issue because you're going to be forced onto uncertain equipment that might not be considered correct where you would want it to be or something because, People are getting paid, you know, out here, obviously the big joke is Caleb can't afford to turn professional, you know, as a USC <laughs> quarterback. So it's like, that's another added layer in all of this. And I just think that the purity of where you're going and the purity of who you are as a human and you just saying that about balance, one of my favorite things that Justin and I was, I was like, you just never change and I don't want you to and I never ask you to because the honesty is going to make people feel comfortable going into something starting from scratch so i just think that the reason i asked the question is i just think that like like parksy said i think this plus the terrain plus the usga plus the facility just all i see are gold stars everywhere and, and all i can do is wish you the best and i think you're an absolutely home run choice and you know i think the world of you and i i can't wait to kind of watch this unfold and justin thank you for signing on and thanks your friendship with with chris is obviously one of my favorite things about both of you and i wouldn't be where i am without the
1: two of you so i, I do appreciate you coming on tonight we want, thanks for we want having us appreciate you guys absolutely we want to check in in the future you got to commit to that chris ahead ahead of anything now. of
0: course We want to of check good or bad,
1: whatever happens to you if we have to come find you in a dumpster somewhere we'll come find you but yeah yeah, yep, I'll be there. So excited. I, I might be there, yeah. <laughs> so excited for the program. Obviously, it's huge. Justin, can't thank you enough. You're a massive resource for the show, friend of the show. It's always fun to chat. But yeah, super excited for the future. Continued success. And we look forward to having you on soon. And Chris. Thanks,
2: Chris. I do mean it. When you and Ben and you guys get together, I think the staffing between Pinehurst and USJ, I think that's one of the reasons they're there is I just think it's such an unbelievable piece of property, obviously, as it stretches to more and more golf courses. But I do think that the center, it's 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 easy. You know, it's obviously you're going to get what you want, and it's going to have plenty of choices. But I do think people mean something. And the one thing I will always give the USGA credit for is very rarely are bad people in good positions there. So I think that that's going to be a fun thing to watch. And it's going to be exciting to see we go and watch these people playing Walker Cups and Palmer Cups and all these things that were, you know, originating from what you're doing. And and I know your love of competition. And I think people are going to get that real quick in the interview because competing to you is is truly gold. So good luck to you. And obviously you. have a great move. And and we'll check back in soon.
0: Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on. I really had a good time. yeah. Absolutely
1: appreciate it. Okay.
0: Take care, guys. Right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Have it. a thanks great day. So Justin,
1: thanks, buddy. In the no morning. For yeah. Jack fan, we are super excited to announce for season six we have partnered with Italian golf shoe designers, Duca del Cosma, and we're giving away a free pair of shoes for every episode. That's right, every episode, one lucky listener that DMs us is gonna receive a pair of shoes. Baldovino Mattiazzo's passionate innovations bring a much needed sophistication and authenticity to the traditional golf world. These are handcrafted in Europe, superior craftsmanship, combined with cutting edge technology for the next generation of golfer, wherever life takes them. On and off the course, get the best of both worlds. Stylish Italian golf shoes. These are amazing. Again, that's Duca del Cosma Italian handcrafted golf shoes. DM us for your chance to win. Every new episode that drops. Good luck.